0: Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Morning, gang. Honey, I'm home. Hey, it's good to be back. I have uh, done full time ministry for a long time, and in all the years I've been in ministry, I have never taken a sabbatical. I mean, I've had vacation and stuff, but I've never actually taken a sabbatical. I think I was probably afraid I would drive myself insane. Um, And so I'm back, slightly insane, and ready to go, right? I got some stuff done around the house. I got an opportunity to really dig in and spend some time with the Lord. And I got to read through uh, a bunch of different books and really kind of just grow personally in some areas that was really nice to have the time to do that probably would have taken me a year to get through a couple of the books that I went through. So um, that was good, and I'm better for it, but I am glad to be back in the saddle. So, hey, a couple quick things real quick before I jump in about real needs is um, Connie, who you saw in the video, and her husband, Dennis, are going to be right out there in the lobby by the transformer thing in the middle, the big gray steel display board thing. They're going to be out there, and just to make sure it's super clear, like, when you sign up to be on the donor list, you're basically what you're signing up to be on is a group email. And I just want to make sure everybody knows you don't get any spam. Your email doesn't get shared with anybody. All you're signing up to do is to be in the loop so that if somebody gets a need, like there's ways they qualify them and stuff. So if it comes in, it's a real need. Like somebody actually has checked it out. So if somebody needs a dresser or a bed and you get it, like the only reason you're gonna see that email is if there's somebody that needs something. And it's just as simple as this. If you look at that and you're like, oh, they need a dresser and a bed and a this, and I don't have the bed and I don't have the this, but I have an extra dresser that I was gonna give to the thrift store. Bam, done, email it, that's how the needs are met. Then there are moving teams that come and coordinate, and they work behind the scenes and do all kinds of work to coordinate picking the stuff up, getting it delivered. They connect with the people when they deliver them. They they love on them. They pray with them if they have the opportunity to. They talk with them about church if they have the opportunity to. It's just a really neat way that we can serve people in our community that uh, are oftentimes in a really tough spot. So... Um, The more people that we have signed up on that list, and the more people that are aware of what Real Needs really is, the easier it is to solve the problems as they come up and to meet those needs. So I would love it if every single person at Real Life, no-brainer, be on that list. Doesn't mean it might be two years before something comes up and you're like, oh, I have that. I could help with that. Cool, right? So make sure you talk to them before you leave today, all right? Okay. So, we are starting a new series this morning, and I'm excited to melt your minds. Okay, if you didn't bring duct tape, today's the day you should have, because you're going to need to like patch it, you're going to, I'm going to stretch your brain today, okay? Are you with me? Are you ready for it? There's three of you that are ready for it. Four undecided and a bunch of other people going for the door. It's not going to be that bad. So, but it's going to be a really fun series because we are starting into this series. We're going to start start learning to talk. We're going to start talking about growing your faith, shaping your faith. How do we, as Christians, as disciples, how do we like spiritually grow up? How do we become more spiritually healthy, more emotionally healthy, personally, and in community with each other, right? And when Aaron and I were kicking around ideas on how to, like, kind of launch this series, we, were, we kept talking about doing uh, funny gym fail videos. I don't know if you guys have ever, uh, if you've been on Facebook ever, you can't help but see some of them, right? And it's always somebody at the gym... Secretly filming someone else at the gym, and the someone else at the gym is doing something that looks not right, but they actually think they know what they're doing, which is why it's so funny in a bad way, Um, but the thing with the gym stuff is like people go to the gym, they have like the best of intentions, they show up, they go there, they got their workout clothes on, they're like actually ready to sweat, but they go to these machines and these different exercises and it becomes abundantly clear that they have no idea how to get in shape, right? Like like there's people, I've watched one with a rowing machine. I don't know how you could mess up a rowing machine. It's Fairly explanatory, right? Like, you sit on it, you put your feet in, and you make a rowing motion, right? I watched one that I thought the guy was having a seizure. Like, there, <laughs> apparently it was like a lot of reps, somebody told him, right? Like, speed is the key to efficiency. And then I watched another one. We actually thought about showing you some of these, but the more we looked at them, the more we were like, they're maybe not appropriate for church, some of them. Um, and there's a lot of spandex, so that was a problem. So... <laughs> you're going to have to live with my reenactments. There was one where the guy walks up to the squat machine, and so it's the, it's the one with the bar, and you get your head underneath the bar, and you go like this, right? And a normal squat looks, this is, don't criticize me, I don't have good form. Okay, normal squat looks something like that, right? This guy, I'm not kidding you, gets underneath here, gets up like this, puts the weight up on him, he steps out, and then he goes. <laughs> For a long time, Like, he was in good shape, just not the right shape. The thing is, a lot of people have good intentions with physical exercise, but when it comes right down to it, they don't actually know what to do. And we can kind of goof about it and laugh at it, but the the irony is that the same thing happens in church, right? People come to church, they come to know Christ, they come to our churches, and they show up and they're like I'm here now what and unfortunately one of the most common answers they get is awesome read your Bible and pray sort of like telling a newbie at the gym like go in there and work out they're like yeah I kind of had that part figured out I don't exactly know what work out means like have you seen me on a squat machine right and so people come into the church and it's like read your Bible and pray it's like, yeah, but I'm really struggling in my marriage. Yeah, you need to read your Bible and pray more. I, I just don't feel like I know God very well. Like, I don't feel close with God. And I, I believe in him, but it seems so abstract and weird. And you should read your Bible more. And it's like, oh, maybe you didn't start in the right spot. You should have been on this book and not this book, right? Like, that. I could see why you were confused. And that's about the extent of the help people get in the beginning. And so, in this series, we're going to start to walk through a plan. We're going to start to give you uh, a plan to help you, like, have a well rounded spiritual workout plan to help each one of us get in great shape spiritually as disciples. Okay, And a plan is a good thing. I want to zip through a couple of different Proverbs with you as we get going this morning. Let's take a look at these. Proverbs 14, 14 says, Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Making a plan to do good is good. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And lastly, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Right? It's good for us to have a plan. God likes us to have a plan. God likes us to have a plan that involves wise counsel, other counselors, not just sit in a corner and wing it by ourselves, but to come to church and to have pastors speaking into your life, to have people in your home group speaking into your life and into your plans. And so what I want you to imagine is over the next many weeks, we're going to go through this series. And we're gonna kind of act like your uh, spiritual personal trainer, if you will. Everybody that, that teaches on Sunday, every Sunday when you come in, you're gonna get sort of an expert in the field. Like, you know, somebody that really knows how to teach you how to squat properly. Right, so that you learn that exercise inside out and everything there is to know about it and all the benefits uh, about it. We're gonna do that with spiritual disciplines to help you understand how do you actually grow as a Christian beyond the generic read your Bible and pray advice, all right? And so in order to do that, we're gonna focus on three shapes. These shapes are just tools to help us have a, a, a way to remember different parts of the process, okay? The first shape is a square. The square is all about your inner personal development, like your your inner spiritual development. So this is about you and God, you and God growing, okay? The next shape is a circle. The circle is all about community. So as you personally grow and develop, you're in relationship with other people. And so the circle is about how do Christians have healthy community, okay? And then the last shape is a triangle. The triangle is about eternal things. How do we begin to shift our focus from gratifying our our selfish flesh, the Bible talks about it like dying to our flesh, Right, Not feeding our carnal desires and focusing on things that have eternal value. Okay, So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to walk through this and I'm going to unpack the whole thing. I'm going to give you the whole picture this morning. It's going to be a lot of information. I'll just tell you up front. Okay, Know this. We're going to spend the next 17 weeks. It's a doozy. It's a big deal. We're going to spend the next 17 weeks going back through each one of these things step by step so that every inch of this stuff, you have an opportunity to like really immerse yourself in it and learn it and understand it because we genuinely want to help people have practical tools like real brass tacks, how do I actually grow as a Christian Not just general churchy stuff, not hear an awesome message and then leave and go, that was great, I learned a lot, but now what? This series is about the now what? The practical steps to grow as a Christian, and you're going to see as we unpack this tool, uh, not only is it about practical steps, but it's about knowing the right things to work on to get the right results, Sometimes read your Bible and pray is exactly what you need. Sometimes it's not. And so we're going to walk through this and help you understand that, all right? So if you're a note taker, take lots of notes. I've seen a bunch of really cool creative people that have made awesome notes in, in very different ways. So if you're a note taker, take lots of notes. If you're don't like to take notes, just know up front, all this stuff is going to be available. When we're done with the series, we're going to have everything published with all the information on everything. Um, and then also uh, throughout it, we're going to go back through each piece of this in detail with, uh, with different people preaching every weekend, okay? So you're going to get plenty of time to chew on it, but if you like taking notes, get ready to write because here we go. Okay, the square. The square is broken up into four pieces, and so we call the square the core four. The square is all about internal, personal development. So as we start describing this, as I'm talking about it, think about this has to do with me and God. Say, me and God. Say, "Me me and God. Okay, you got it. Here we go. Text. The first thing is text. Okay, and we're going to walk back through these in just a second. The first part of this is text. The next part is prayer. The next part is worship. And the last piece is everybody's favorite spiritual discipline, fasting. Raise your hand if you love fasting. Yes. There are a couple people here that are awesome. The rest of us are wimps myself included. (laughs) Text, okay, as we unpack these, these disciplines have a job to do, so to speak. It's It's a way for us to understand it. So the job of text is to give us knowledge. When we read God's word, the job of the text is to teach us, to give us information about who God is, the history of his people, what what has gone on in the heritage of our faith. Like the text, the job of text is to give us knowledge. Tracking with me? Next up, prayer. The job of prayer is to teach us to surrender. Oftentimes we think about prayer as like our laundry list of things that we bring to God, like our list of requests. And we come to God with all these things we want and need, sort of like the genie in a bottle approach. And it's not that asking God or bringing your request to God is a bad thing. It's just that that's not the, the job or the goal of prayer, if you will. The, the goal of prayer is to make your heart like God's heart. To help you learn to surrender your will. To become lined up with God's will. Worship. The job of worship is to help us develop intimacy with God. Between, remember, this is between us and God. So the job of worship is to help us develop intimacy with God. Now, in our culture, intimacy is a word that gets a bad rap because it's it's misunderstood or not completely understood. People understand pieces of intimacy. We automatically think of like a, a romance movie or a, a husband and a wife and physical intimacy and sex and those types of issues. and And those things are part of intimacy. That's a a tiny facet of it, but it's far from an accurate understanding of intimacy. Intimacy, the best way I could explain it to you is this. Intimacy is a mutual self-revelation where you are known and people know you. We're not talking with the checkout clerk at Walmart. We're talking people you're close to in your deep, close, connected, primary relationships. When you reveal the real you to someone else, what are you most scared of? What really irritates you? What are your biggest dreams and hopes that people probably would think are crazy, but you tell them? And when they share those things back with you, Their hurts, their hang-ups, their fears, their things that they can't wait to tell someone. You're the someone. When you have that in a relationship, you have intimacy. And so for people that oftentimes, I hear this a lot of times over the years in church, is people will say, it's not that I struggle necessarily believing in God, but the whole having a relationship with him seems really abstract. Like, I, it's not that I doubt, you know, they're, like, defensive. You know, it's not that I doubt God. I know God's real. But when it comes to a day-to-day, like, I hear people pray to God the Father. Like, that sounds weird to me. That's revealing of an intimacy issue between you and God. When you don't feel like you really know God, it's probably somewhat to do with the fact that you're not really telling God who you really are. Intimacy intimacy starts with self-revelation. So when you pray and you're talking to God, rather than bringing requests, come to God and reveal. Like pull the curtain back. And people are like, well, he's God. Doesn't he already know all that stuff? Um, If you're married, try that. I don't need to tell her anything. I mean, she's been married to me forever, right? Like, why do I have to tell her? Doesn't she know? Good luck, fellas. Doesn't work very well. So as you pray and as you talk to God, you reveal real things. What are you really scared of? What's freaking you out? What is the the, the, deep desires of your heart, your dreams, the things that people would think are crazy? You are honest and reveal yourself to God. And as you open up and get real with God, see how it doesn't change your relationship with Him in regards to this area. Worship is a way where we stand before other people in here on Sundays, but then privately outside here, and we start to just cry out to God and sing and like be vulnerable and real, and it develops intimacy with God. Next one. Fasting brings about self-control. Fasting helps us develop self-control. Now in a world of instant gratification where now is not quite soon enough, right? Like how fast is your internet? Not fast enough, right? In our world of we gotta have it right now and we can't wait for anything, self-control is a much needed muscle that Christians need to develop. Self-control gives us the ability to say no And saying no is a really important thing. For those of you that are like, I'm terrible at saying no, I say yes to everything, and I immediately feel guilty for it because I'm overwhelmed and then I can't do this and I let people down. You're going, "Mm mm-hmm, I wish I could learn how to say no. Ever think about fasting? Develop your self-control muscle. All right, now hang in here with me because your note-taking is about to get creative because we're gonna start looking at what happens when you practice some of these disciplines together, when you partner them up and practice different things together. Let's take a look at the first thing. Knowledge plus intimacy. So when you start developing the spiritual discipline of like digging into God's word, daily spending time in the word, and you start to develop the discipline of worship, not not coming to Sunday once a week and singing three songs, the discipline of worship, like digging in and worshiping with God, on a regular basis, when you start to do those things, it helps you develop wisdom, and it helps kind of combat foolishness or or kind of the newbieism. You know, when you're like a newbie in Christ and you, you just don't really know what you don't know one of the things that's a really healthy dose of disciplines to kind of start to learn how to do is to dig into God's word and to learn how to really worship, okay? Let's look at the next one. Knowledge and surrender, text and prayer. So when you start spending time in the word and you start learning how to to genuinely develop the discipline of prayer, and again, we're gonna unpack all these in the weeks to come. When you start to partner those disciplines together, it develops in you humility, humility, Humility combats the one thing that none of us in here have in common, right? Like pride. Probably none of us struggle with that. Or just me. Um, Thanks, just me. You guys are awesome. All right. So it combats pride. You struggle with pride, here's a dose of disciplines to help you. Next, knowledge and self-control. So when you're digging into God's word and you're fasting, it helps you develop uh, your, and understand your mission and purpose. When you understand your mission as a Christian, it really helps you say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. When you have a sense of like a ship without a rudder and you don't know what you stand for and you have no direction, you have no idea what to do next in your life, you're in trouble because you end up saying yes to wrong things and no to right things unwittingly. These are disciplines that help you develop your mission and purpose. Next up is intimacy and surrender. So when you worship and pray, it develops in you trust If you're a person that struggles to trust other people, don't raise your hand, but you know who you are. You, uh, I've heard so many people say some version of this. It just feels weird, like the closer I get to people, I don't know what it is, I just really struggle to trust them. I have a hard time letting people get close to me because I, I don't know if I can trust them. I have trust issues. Everybody in this room has heard somebody say something like that. Someone you know or yourself. It's a common issue, right? Here's the thing that you need to understand. If you're struggling to trust other people, the truth is you're struggling to trust God. If you struggle to trust God, then you struggle to trust other people. They're they're inextricably intertwined, being able to trust other people and trust God. If you're like, whoo, that hit a nerve, start digging into what does it look like to develop the discipline of worship. Right? Let's keep going. Worship and self-control. Worship and fasting is intimacy and self-control. Guys, some gals, you struggle with pornography, looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. You want the... God's plan for getting, helping you get pure and keeping your mind focused on the right things, develop these disciplines. Learn about what does it look like to dig in and have worship as a discipline and fasting as a discipline. You're having a more intimate relationship with God where you're really telling God who you are and you're developing self-control. It's gonna create in you purity. Okay, next one. Surrender and self-control, prayer and fasting. Brings about contentment, brings about contentment. Struggling in life, feeling like things are never satisfied, you're never quite happy where you are, no matter what relationship you're in, it doesn't seem fulfilling, no matter what job you have, after a little bit of time, it never seems to actually hit the mark. And and just everywhere in life, you just sort of feel like something's missing, you just always feel like the grass is greener somewhere else, you have a I wish I was somewhere kind of thought going on all the time, that's a struggle with discontentment. These are the things that help you develop contentment. Let's look at the next one. That was the last one. All right. Hey. My brain's only so big, you guys. Right? Uh, the next shape that we're going to focus on is the circle. The circle represents community. So when you see the circle, we're thinking about healthy community. So when we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about eight attributes or ingredients to healthy community for Christians. So for us in the church, these are eight ingredients that should be a part of our family, a part of how we do life together, a part of how we relate to one another. If these eight ingredients are there and cultivated and working well and, and, and um, apparent, we've got some awesome community going on. If we're missing any of these in a big dose, We've got some holes in our game, so to speak. The same could be said of your home group, of your kind of greater family community, right? So let's look at them. First one up, everybody's favorite? Say it with me. Conflict. Now, the problem with conflict is it gets a bad rap, right? People say conflict, and, and there are certain people that automatically just shrink back in their seat at the thought of conflict. People, by and large, generally... Dislike conflict, and the problem is you cannot have a healthy relationship without conflict. Because if you have a relationship without conflict, let me tell you, it's not. There's something missing. In fact, if you're the type of person who is uh, in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship or married, and you can look at your relationship and go, "Man, our relationship is amazing," especially if you're dating, uh, it's amazing. It's awesome. We never argue. I mean, like, I can't even think of anything we've ever fought about. It's like butterflies and rainbows everywhere. It is so good. Newsflash. Someone in that relationship is stuffing. Someone is avoiding. Someone is stonewalling. And somebody is blind, right? That's not healthy relationship. Healthy relationship has conflict. And some of you in this room that are married and have been married a while right now, you're like, whew, our marriage must be really healthy. (laughs) Exactly how many times a day is a good amount? I don't know, I'd say five. Don't go for more than five, right? That's an overachievement level. Let's look at the next one. Forgiveness. Healthy community, forgiveness is a big ingredient And we have to learn how to actually forgive real people in our community for real offenses and mistakes. For real. Not talk about it, not learn about it hypothetically. This is what God's word says about it. But it has to be an attribute, like this is an action that happens in our community if we want to be a healthy community. Ownership is the next one. Let me tell you what we mean. When there is an issue, which there are issues when there are more people in a room than a few, there are issues and as you have issues come up, ownership is a a key ingredient to healthy community and so that means that I own my part, you own your part. And here's a tip, when you have an issue with somebody, work on owning your part first. Fess up to your junk as you come to talk with somebody about something that's rubbing you, right? Next one, boundaries. Healthy community has boundaries. Boundaries are a good thing. When you are a part of an awesome home group and you got great community going on and your extroverted spouse can't wait to have people over for the seventh time in eight days, uh, it's okay to have some boundaries and say, hey, I need the weekend off. So, like, I love that we have community and it's great, but I, I'm time out on people for a few days. Those are healthy boundaries. It doesn't mean live that way, like, don't like avoid people at all costs. That's not a right way either, but boundaries are okay in community. Okay, priorities and time. Let me tell you what we mean by priorities and time. The number one reason people do not go to home group. And get involved in in like actual community with other Christians. The same thing is also the number one reason people don't start coming to church on a regular basis. They may tiptoe around it once in a while. The same reason that people don't uh, start up other friendships with people that they saw an opportunity, right? The issue is everybody always goes back to the, it seemed like a good idea and there's all the, they can even tell you all the reasons why they liked the idea or why they think it would even be good for them, but then they come down to the big, but I don't have time. I'm just too busy and it's a bunch of baloney. You're not too busy, you just have certain priorities that dictate what you do do in life and what you don't do in life. And if your priorities change, how you spend your time changes. If being involved with other Christians in authentic community and getting plugged into a home group hits high up on the priority list, guess what? You're in a home group and you didn't get any more time Priorities and time are a key ingredient in healthy community. Empathy is an important ingredient in healthy community. Understanding how to meet people where they're at and imagine what they're going through, to feel what they feel, to to care about how other people feel. How many of you in here, this is a raise your hand thing, so get your hands ready because there's points if yours is up first. Okay, no cheating. Okay, how many of you in here Listen to Aaron's podcast. That's weird. Same thing happened in this first service. Not many people must know about Aaron's podcast. Let me tell you. On the Lifer OTP website, okay? It's the one where you type L-I-F-E-R-O-T P dot com. That one. Um, at the top of it, I know. Eighth grade in Bonner's Ferry paid off. Uh, I got skills. At the top of the website, there is a black bar. It is literally the top, meaning the top. It says, A Better Conversation with Aaron Couch, click that, that's where you find his podcast. So it's super easy to find. He just finished up a podcast on empathy. Great discussion about what empathy really is and learning more about it. And then continuing to go back to that podcast as we go through this series, and we start to unpack these spiritual disciplines and walk through them and help teach you about what they really are and how do you really do them, what he's gonna be working on is doing podcasts that connect with the sermon to help kind of give you a primer to like get your brain firing in the right direction and kind of help you get mentally prepared for what we're gonna unpack on Sunday, okay? So if you haven't been listening to those, which is all of you except two, the same people that fast, I don't know what the deal is, you two are awesome, Maybe the podcast has something to help with fasting. Um, Everybody else, start listening to the podcast because it's going to help you get more out of Sunday morning. Next one Identity. Healthy community helps us understand our identity in Christ. God gives us other people to be in relationship with so that we can help call out who God made us. Like, so we can remind each other, like good friends, we can look at each other and go, do you know who God made you to be? Do you know the characteristics of a a disciple of Christ? Do you know what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, an ambassador? Like, I I see this in you. This is what God made you to be. Like, you're not a big mistake. You're not a screw up. That's when you hear a friend going, I just mess everything up. Every time I do this, all I ever do is make a mess of things. When you're in healthy community with this kind of stuff going on, and you're, you're the person that hears that, you look back at that person and go, no, 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 no. There's a big difference between you messed up and you're a screw up. When God looks at you, he sees his precious son, his loved daughter. You are not a mistake. Yeah, you did some dumb stuff. That's not who you are. When we're in community like this, we remind each other of who God says we are. We help each other stay on track as disciples and heirs with Christ. Next one. Everybody's favorite. Let's say it together. Emotional. Followed by a question mark over our heads. Emotional. What? Okay. I need to tell you guys a little confession. You know what they didn't teach me in eighth grade in Bonner's Ferry? Emotional vocabulary. I barely learned English vocabulary. That's only sort of a joke. Um, 10 years ago, I couldn't have told you a thing about emotional vocabulary. I didn't understand it. It was one of those, I can look back and I'm like, man, I didn't know what I didn't know. And over the last few years in particular, I've really grown and and began to understand what this is in a whole new depth. It's like like somebody teaching me math for the first time. I'm like, how did I not know this stuff, right? If you're in relationship with anybody, you need to know what emotional vocabulary is. Let me give you a little example. there are over 500 emotions, okay? Feelings. All a feeling is, is an emotional reaction. It's not good, it's not bad. It's just an emotional reaction. We walk out of the house in the morning, it's rainy like it was today. You have an emotional reaction. Some of you are like, yes, it's good for crops. Some of you are like, this is terrible. I, it makes me in a bad mood, right? You, it just is what it is. You have an emotional reaction. There are over 500 emotions different emotions. The problem is most of us have four, and if you're genius, maybe five words on average to describe all 500 emotions. You're starting to see a little bit of a problem developing, right? So what happens, like for example, with my wife and I, um, something happens between us and she can see it on my face. She knows something's going on, right? So she checks like, hey, what's going on? I, you, you, your whole mood changed and something, are you ticked? You look ticked. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually pretty mad and upset right now. And she's like, and then she starts to, her wheels turn and she's starting to figure out how do I respond to mad and upset? He told me he's mad and upset. What do I do? How do I respond to that? And if she's really trying, she'll try to respond to mad and upset. The problem is, I used one of my five words to describe one of my 500 feelings and it wasn't the right word. Really what I'm feeling on the inside is ignored and lonely. And I'm like, the thing that happened today left me feeling really ignored and lonely. But what she read on my face was checked out, something's not right, and what I said was, I'm mad. So when she responds to like, hey, he said he was mad, We just, you can't get there. It's like a math formula that just is built wrong. You'll never get the right solution. So healthy community has a good emotional vocabulary. We're in a a family where we learn how to expand our vocabulary and communicate what we're really feeling and develop intimacy and trust and authentic relationship with each other, all this cool stuff that sounds great, but you're like, how in the heck do you actually do it, right? That's what we're going to start helping you unpack in this series. All right, next one is the triangle. The triangle is the shape that reminds us of things about eternal Focus. So the squares, we're all about developing our internal personal development, our internal spiritual growth, right? Squares about internal, us and God. The circle is about us and each other, healthy community. The triangle is about eternal stuff, big time kingdom stuff. Let's look at the three points on there real quick. Celebration of others is one. We'll talk about it in a second. Generosity and service, celebration of others, generosity, and service. We're going to come back to this in the weeks to come, but I just want to give you a quick little taste of how this works together. So when you are, uh, when you're not generous, you can't be lined up with God's heart for things. Like God is a generous God. And if you're a stingy, greedy person, you're going to have a hard time seeing the world the way God sees it. But when you practice generosity with your time, with your talents, with your money, when you practice generosity and you partner it up with serving others, putting other people's needs and uh, um, interests and, uh, and stuff that they have to have above your own, it starts to develop in you diligence, like a steadfastness in your faith to be about kingdom stuff more often than not, right? It develops your like stick with itness ness muscles as a Christian. Celebration of others partnered up with service develops kindness. If you're a person that is overly critical and is quick to find fault with people and can always see what's wrong, you get put in a group environment and you know the three people that are a pain, you know what's wrong with this thing, you can put like, you're the, you can find what's wrong with it person, You need to practice celebration of others. And when we say celebration of others, we're not just like, hey, Terry, ain't he a good guy? I like him. No, 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 It's like when you really get to know Terry, what is it about him that you could celebrate? Do you know how many days that guy has been at work and never missed a day? How dependable and loyal and faithful, like that's something worth celebrating about his character and the kind of person and commitment that he has. There's a difference in how you celebrate people. You catching on? And so when you partner that with service, it develops kindness. When you partner celebration of others with generosity, it develops in you this uh, attribute of charity. These things start to work together. To help us grow spiritually. It's like someone going, taking a personal trainer, going into the gym and going, you really want epic biceps? I mean, you want like these, you know, I mean, maybe you can't see them right in the light. Let me get these. You want some of these, right? Then you need this machine and this machine and these weights. Don't do anything else. You'll waste your time. Like this is what you focus on for this right? This is the kind of stuff we're trying to help unpack and kind of demystify some of the, how do you actually grow spiritually? How do you actually practically grow as a Christian? Not just read your Bible and pray, not just go to church more, not just this, 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 right? Like, you actually grow spiritually, And so over the next 17 weeks, you guys, we're going to take time to go through this. We're going to go through this stuff over the next 17 weeks, and we're going to go back through that stuff step by step, starting with the inner man, developing our inner self and our personal relationship with God, and we're going to unpack those disciplines and help teach you just like a personal trainer would teach you at the gym. We're going to be your personal spiritual trainers to give you a, a real concrete, practical understanding of how to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Sound good? All right, now we're going to have the world's smoothest transition to communion. Communion? Let's have some. So if you're serving, I know. I tried to think of some way, cool way to do it. I couldn't. So, We're going to take communion in a minute this morning. And if you're new with us, we have an open table at Real Life. And what that means is anybody can take communion with us that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, If you are here and you love Jesus, we love you, your family, please take communion with us. When they pass it out, hold on to the stuff, and then we're going to take it together in a couple of minutes, okay? But while they're passing out communion, I just want to tell you that um, I really want us to really think about the weeks to come as if you have a, an opportunity to get personally trained in how to grow as a disciple of Jesus if if i could tell you how many times i've heard over the years people going like I just, there's just so much I don't know. Like there's so, I try reading my Bible. I have been to Bible studies. I just feel like there's just a lot I don't understand about Christianity. Like I go to church and I hear things, but, and there's all the buts, the, but what about this? And the, what about that? And the, what about this? If you will look at these next weeks ahead as an opportunity to have wise counselors step in and look and teach you like a trainer, step-by-step, exercise-by-exercise, and unpack with you how to grow personally, I think you'll have the right frame of mind and the right attitude coming forward into this series, all right? Hey, if you're in a home group, we've been putting the questions up here about uh, things to discuss in your home groups. And so if you're in a home group Number one, this is kind of a challenging sermon series to discuss in a home group because there's lots of information. On the one hand, there's lots of topics. On the other hand, there's lots of topics. So let me just tell you from the stage, if you're in a home group this week, now listen, and you think your home group is desperately lacking fun. If you're the fun person in your group, but nobody knows it, that's not good. So this week, if your home group needs a break and you need to get together and laugh and have fun together and you're the fun person, your job is to make that happen this week. Don't take no for an answer, have some fun. If you guys are way too spiritual for fun, here's some questions you could talk about. All right, when you look at the diagram that we just went through, where do you think you need to focus on first? Whether you're in a group or not, that's a great question for you to reflect on, not to get overwhelmed by all the information, but I would say it like this. What what just popped? What was the thing that clicked with you today? Of all the things I said, what what thing just felt like Holy Spirit Spirit cement? It was like, oh, make sure you write that down and chew on that this week, okay? If you're in a group, as a group, take a look at those eight marks of a healthy community. How can you more purposely engage those marks within your group, right? Talk to your group. Are we great at conflict? Have we, have we even have any conflict? Talk about it, right? Dig into that stuff. Lastly, what discipline in, the, uh, in this intimidates you the most? Okay? You wanna start building real intimacy, authentic relationship with the people in your group or even with your spouse that you came to church with? Go have lunch and be honest about what parts of this sort of freak you out? Be real. Like, just lay it out there and risk it. Just be like, I've never fasted, and the idea of it, like, what does that even mean? And, like, what if I faint? And, right? <laughs> like, be real. Lay it out there. That develops intimacy. So, The heart behind all of this is we want to be really intentional as a church at helping our family grow up spiritually, to become the kind of a community that people from miles around would be drawn to because it's the kind of people that people want to be friends with, the kind of people that people want to run into out and about in town. Like we want to help this family become the kind of family that everybody is dying to get into for the right reasons because of the hope that we have in Christ, because of the opportunity that we have to share that there is a better way to do life than the same old, same old, that life with Jesus is better than anything else that anybody else has ever offered. And every week, even on weeks when it's a heady sermon, we take the opportunity to take communion together. And so this morning, we're gonna wrap up with that. We're gonna remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he said, let's eat this. Uh, This represents his body and so let's eat it as often as we get together and remember it to him. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant which is his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So Let's drink this and remember it to him. So we're gonna wrap up with worship and I kind of wanna put a little heart challenge in. This has been a real head challenge Type message this morning. A lot of content, a lot of information, introducing you to some big ideas. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of a heart challenge. So as we get ready to wrap up with worship, I want you to be reflecting on what I talked about this morning. The idea of coming to these next many weeks, not missing a beat, like being all in, not just with your head, but all in, like, like in your heart Do you really want to get to know God better? Do you really want to grow as a disciple? Do you want to be changed as a Jesus follower? Like, if you do, then I want you to stand and worship with us. But I want you to take a second and reflect on that. Kind of look yourself in the face, if you will. Do I really want this? Am I really in? And if you are, stand up and worship with us. And if you need to sit there and just take some time, this is real life. Be real. Don't stand up and fake it. Just be real. That's where we're at. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.